this Palm Sunday begins Holy Week for us. This is the beginning of this descent, uh, or this part of the descent. And all this week, as we saw in the Passion Gospel, the focus will be upon the Passion of Christ, that is, the cross of Christ, and, and what that entails for Him uh, as He sets out to redeem all of us and bring us back to Himself. And as this, these events transpire, we tend to see them as negative. Uh, I don't know how many of you uh, find the Passion of the Christ in the movie to be difficult to watch. Uh, and we tend to look at that and think of this entire concept of the Passion of Christ as being something negative. And yet, for the church, and even in the liturgical proclamation that we're offering here, it is viewed, on the contrary, as something very, very positive and life-giving. Uh, and so it's really important that we see that. Hence, in the liturgics of the church in the Western Rite, we have things, and I say the Western Rite, maybe in the Eastern Rite too, but I haven't, I haven't noticed it. Uh, we hear in the preface of the Mass said for today and all this week, and actually all of last week as well, by the tree of the cross thou hast wrought the salvation of the race of man. And in the office hymns for these two weeks, O tree of beauty, tree of life, adorned with royal purple bright, faithful cross above all other, one and only noble tree, none in foliage, none in blossom, none in fruit thy peers may be. Notice the cross is considered the tree, and if you really want to push it, the tree of life. The cross, because it is life-giving and is equated with the tree in the church, is the tree of life. It is offered to us as the tree of life. Remember in the story of the fall of man, Adam could have taken from any of the fruits of the trees in the garden, including the tree of life. And instead he chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The one thing that God said, don't touch it. Just leave that one alone. You can have all of the others. And he did not choose the tree of life. And yet the cross is equated as a tree of beauty. And because it is life-giving, it is an example for us. It is, in fact, the tree of life. If we want to participate in, in eternal salvation, we must eat the fruit of the tree of life. And that's why the church proclaims the cross at this time. In emphasizing the cross, particularly as the tree of life, the church tells us a number of things, and any number of things could be gleaned from these lessons this week, all this week. But I'm going to focus on three. Uh, we just pick three out and work with them because I think that they're important for the spiritual life and for us as we progress even through this week liturgically. For those of you who've been Orthodox a while, you know that this week can be extremely grueling. If you follow it through all the way to the end, it's exhausting. Uh, and it's easy to give up about two days through it and forget it. Uh, and that's such a mistake. Such a mistake. Must push through to the end. And so the three things that I, I point out, I want to point out here are these that are, that are referenced in these works. First and foremost, as we heard in the Philippians lesson, Christ's kenosis, his self-emptying, we call it the kenosis in Greek. He did not equate some, his divinity something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, becoming in the form of humanity, becoming in the form of a man. He emptied himself. That is, he, he came down into human flesh. He didn't cease to be God. That's not possible. But he became human flesh, just like we are, but no sin. Now, we, we can't even imagine 
what it's like to be human and not have sin. And so we say things like, oh, I'm only human, as if sin is somehow normal. It isn't. It's an aberration. So try to think of life if we didn't have sin. Well, that's the way Christ was. And he emptied himself from his divinity. That is, he came down to us and became human and lived among us. It's called his kenosis. But his kenosis didn't just end with the incarnation. It even extended into brutal suffering and death. He entered into the bone of the dead, St. Peter tells us, to preach the gospel to the captive spirits. Death itself is not normal either. It's an aberration created by the sin of humanity. And every time we sin, we perpetuate that death and that whole concept. And it is ultimate separation from God. And yet he descended into death and brought divinity down to death, took divinity to death. Can you imagine what it must have been like for those who had preceded him, who were in wherever that place is? We call it Hades, and that does not mean hell. It means the abode of the dead in Greek. Uh, and so he just, we can imagine what it was like to be there and suddenly God incarnate comes here to this place and expresses himself, exposes himself, shows himself, tells of himself. And suddenly these people who have been separated from God into eternity suddenly find the divine presence in their midst, calling them to him. This is Christ's kenosis, his self-emptying. All this week, watch. He will go to any extension, any extent to take us, to come to us and to go where we are in order to redeem us and buy us back. This is his kenosis. And then St. Paul says, have this mind in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. In other words, emulate this. So what we're looking at is not just oh, a nice story about our Savior getting crucified or the brutality of it all or anything like that. But this is the way we are to be. Just like Christ. Empty, self-empty. The kenosis. And the kenosis itself is one of the fruits of the cross. And hence, one of the fruits of the tree of life. Hard to think of it, isn't it? <laughs> this kind of self-emptying as being the fruit of the tree of life. But you see, we need to think differently. We all need to think differently if we're in the church. We see reality as it really is, not as we see it in our fallen condition. And the fact of the matter is, the kenosis is life-giving. It is to eat the fruit. You know, Adam did not exercise kenosis. Don't eat from that one tree. You're going to have the whole rest of it. And what does he do? The one thing he was told not to do. It's sort of like telling the kids, you know, don't, don't touch that hot stove, you'll get burned. And what do they do? Put <laughs> their hand in it. That's the kenosis, the first of the three fruits. The second, the calendar. As we have gone through this Lent, the calendar has been speaking to us about something that's so important, and we don't even see it. And that is, in Lent, we have a season, the season of Lent, and we have seasons within the season of Lent. So, for example, five weeks in, suddenly we have, if you will, the sub-season of, of, of Passion Time. And for two weeks, we start focusing on the passion of Christ, on the kenosis of Christ in the cross. And then, as if that's not enough, a week into Passion Time, we have Holy Week, which is where we are today. 
And so Holy Week comes even more to the passion of Christ and focuses more on the kenosis of Christ. And then the last three days of Holy Week are called the Tritum Sacrum, the three holy days. And so the focus becomes more intensified as we come to the conclusion on Good Friday where Christ descends into, the, into death itself. And so our, we have seasons within seasons, constantly focusing our attention to this apex, to this point of reality where we must go. That's the calendar telling us. And each one of those is a beginning. So this is a beginning. So if you failed in your Lenten discipline, now's the time to get up and keep working. And if that fails, then try again on Thursday. <laughs> uh, next year, I mean next week, you're going to hear this when you're doing the Sermon of St. John Christian, right? And he says, for those of you who have fasted 40 days, welcome to the feast. I'm paraphrasing him. For those of you who have fasted a week, for those of you who have not fasted, come and join the feast. You see, get up. Don't stop. Years ago, I taught church history in a Catholic school. And before Lent, I like to ask the students, how many of you have planned your Lenten discipline? And of course, good students, they were trained well, they all raised their hands. So 10 days into Lent, I asked the question, how many of you failed in your Lenten discipline? Most of them raised their hands. And then I asked, how many of you have picked up and started where you left off? One or two raised their hands. And I realized something because I'd seen this in the church. This is what happens. We have great intentions at the beginning of Lent. And then we get into the middle of it. It's so hard for us. It's so difficult. It's so contrary to our sinful nature that we quit or we fail. Or when we fail, we quit. And we don't get up and keep going. And the very essence of the calendar designed the way it is, is that when you fall, and you probably will, don't stop. Get up and keep going. And let me tell you something. If we learn this in Lent, we will practice it all of our lives. All of our lives, not just in Lent. St. Benedict said that all of life is a continual Lent. So we will practice this always. This is one of the fruits of the cross. One of the fruits of the tree of life in the Passion of the Christ. You know that movie was based on the stations of the cross. It wasn't based on the Passion in the general sense, but on the stations of the cross. And in the stations, three times, three of the stations are devoted to Christ falling down. Not because of sin in Him. It's for us, when we fall, it's because of sin. But for Christ, it was because of weakness and having been brutalized. And when He fell, what's his, what's Mel Gibson, I had a senior moment there. If you can remember the guy's name. That's uh, too bad. Uh, anyway, in, in the movie, Mel Gibson inserts a line, which is very valuable here, I think. And that when he shows one of the falls, when Simon of St. Simon of Cyrene is assisting Christ, he says to Jesus, keep going, you're almost there. Now that's not in the gospel accounts, it's not in the tradition of the church, but it is. Because that's really what the calendar is telling us. You're almost there. We must always have the view, we're almost there. So we get up and we keep moving. This is one of the fruits of the tree of life. One of the fruits of the cross. And finally, there is the repentance of the apostles. You're going to hear these gospel accounts all week because we reiterate the Passion Gospels throughout the week. And it's interesting to note the apostles in these stories. You know, they, they, their, their names pop up all over in the accounts. 
And they're all gung-ho and ready to go at the beginning, and by the end, they've all fallen away. And so they've either denied Christ, or they have betrayed him, or they've run away. Uh, and they're pretty honest about it. You know, St. Mark wrote the second gospel. It's believed that he might have been the young man who ran away naked. So he was giving us a little bit of a self-revelation about himself. That's a humiliating thing. <laughs> they would even mention that. But these people understood what it meant to be abased, and they didn't mind because that's part of the truth of self-kenosis, of self-emptying. And so you have these apostles, all except Judas, who all fall away, and it's for the exception of Judas, are present at Pentecost, when Pentecost occurs, which means they repented, they turned around and they came back. They came back to Christ, and they came back to the way of the cross. This is repentance. And so it's not mentioned as repentance in the gospel accounts, but the fact of the matter is that's what happened. And we're to practice that as well. Get up, keep moving, and repent. It's the third of the three fruits that I see uh, in this, in these accounts. Three fruits of the cross, three fruits of the tree of life. As I mentioned, we tend to view Lent as an intrusion on our ways. We don't want to have anything to do with it. I remember as a young Christian thinking, oh, we have to do that again? I didn't want to do Lent. It wasn't until I became Orthodox that I realized the beauty of this. This is life. It's not a way of self-denial to the point that I'm beaten down, but it's a way of finding my way to the tree of life. That's where Christ wants us, to come to the tree of life. And so in actuality, it's not negative, but life-giving. It's necessary that we see that. And thus the cross is described as the tree. As we progress, and we're almost there, one week left, it's important that we remember to persevere, to enter into self-emptiness, to persevere and repent where we fail and keep persevering. It is a lesson that we will take with us all of our lives. If we learn it now, we will always practice it. And if we always practice it, we will begin to experience the fruits of the tree of life now. I would add one thing because I like these palm branches like this. In the ancient temple, the inside of the holiest place had palm trees carved into the walls to remind people that the center of the temple was the presence of God, was paradise, and the palm trees represented the tree of life. What are we doing here? Holding up the tree of life. Now, a simple palm branch, you wouldn't quite see this, but this works really well. So take it with you this year and hang on to it. We have entered into the possibility of partaking of the fruit of the tree of life. Now, it's up to us to enter into kenosis and repentance and constant pursuit of the holiness of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.